0: You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 continues from live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon, we install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. It's Calgary Flames game day. They're in Dallas taking on the Dallas Stars. This evening we'll be on the air at uh, 5 o'clock with your Flamestock warm-up pregame show. And then uh, puck drop a little bit after 6.30 right here on Sportsnet 960. fan. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We're joined by Dallas Stars radio host over on the ticket down in the DFW area and does some play-by-play for FC Dallas, Owen Newkirk. Owen, thank you so much for taking time this morning uh, and chatting some stars with me.
1: Hey, Patrick, nice to talk to you again. I
0: uh, hope you had a really good Thanksgiving. How about them Cowboys and Dolly?
1: Yeah, it was quite the stir over at Terry World, <laughs> a.k.a. the Death Star here uh, in <laughs> Al- Arlington. But, uh, yeah, great Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. Uh, I'm all about the food. And uh, can't wait to burn some of the turkey off today.
0: Yeah, hopefully we got a good game uh, tonight at the AAC. Uh, the Stars uh, still leading their division uh, seven, three, and one. Uh, since we spoke last, that was at the start of the month uh, when Dallas rolled through Calgary, uh, and they're getting wins against some big teams as well in there. Fill us in on uh, what's been uh, a really, obviously a really great start to the season for the Dallas Stars, but has been uh, you know a really good November as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think that this team is continuing to work on some of the areas of their game where they don't feel. That they're up to snuff yet um it, it's still a work in progress i know that's sort of a cliche but uh there are very few teams that you would say i don't know if any that would say yeah they're ready to, to tackle the stanley cup playoffs right now there's a couple that are pretty darn good but um i think the stars are in that conversation they faced a real gauntlet the last couple of days where they played colorado the rangers and then uh, on Wednesday night, a really, really good defending cup team in, in Vegas. And the big difference from even a year ago till now is, boy, if you have a good game, you can hang with them. But, it, you know, against the, the Golden Knights in the playoffs last year in the Western Conference Final, it kind of felt like Dallas was punching up a little bit. This year, in these games, again, they're, they're one game. They're not a best-of-seven series. But it sure looks like Dallas can, It's in the right weight class now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the additions that we talked about the last time I was on your show, Matt Duchesne coming in and Craig Smith and Sam Steele adding some layers to the offense and, and, and depth through the third and fourth lines and just being able to be that much harder to play against really has made a difference because one of the things, especially against Vegas, that you, you point out is the incredible depth they have at the center position mm-hmm. down the middle. Well, the Stars feel like they're even more equipped to handle that now where they have, you know, Rope Hintz backed up by Matt Duchesne, Wyatt Johnston, and then Rod Fox is on your fourth line. That's yeah. really good depth.
0: That is that's insane depth uh, down the middle. Now, is it? I, I know there's like obviously the Dallas Stars want to be the Dallas Stars, and that's they want to be put their brand of hockey in, in the Western Conference. But it, it, if there was more of like a, a comparison between Vegas and Cor- Colorado, where do you think Dallas probably fits more into? Are they closer to Vegas style, or are they closer to a Colorado style?
1: I actually think they're a bit of a of a mashup, and, and why I say that is that I think Dallas has the defensive bones that a team like Vegas has because Vegas defends as viciously as anybody mm-hmm. in the league. Uh, I maybe Boston, uh, because they play that Jim Montgomery style is very similar to the old Ken Hitchcock style that the yeah. stars kind of came up with at least this group of it when Hitch was briefly the head coach for the second time. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lot of guys protecting the, the house. There's not a lot of room around the net and, If you get the lead, you're going to try to lock it down as much as you can. That's exactly what we saw Boston do against us. It was a really tight game. Uh, But, again, I think the Bruins play a lot different when they have the lead. It's not, you know, the early 2000s New Jersey Devils trap, but it is very much trying to suffocate the game. The Stars have that in their DNA from having Hitch, Montgomery, and Rick Bonus coaching because they all did similar things in that regard. But they also have the get-up-and-go like Colorado has Mm -hmm. because that's Pete DeBoer's style. He wants to be defensively sound, but he wants to roll four lines and attack. And I think one of the most pleasing things about DeBoer's style to me is when you have the lead, his his whole philosophy is go score again. It's not let's try to hang on to a one-goal lead. Now, look, that happens sometimes. There will be games even with this current iteration of the Stars where – They're up by a goal and the other team's really pressing and you find yourself kind of hanging on, right? That's just sports that happens. But generally, Dallas tries to go for the throat and score the next one and get the empty netter and then all of a sudden uh, a really close game looks like a three-goal, you know, not runaway, but pretty comfortable in the end.
0: No, yeah, that's exactly it. And Joe Pavelski, I mean, the guy's like I I he's like LeBroning himself. It's like the, the older he gets, it's like I, I obviously he's like, he's like LeBron James, LeBron James. I mean, Joe Pavelski's one of the greatest Americans ever ever to play the game, but like leading score, I I asked you there at the our last chat that, you know, it, could this be it for Pavelski, you know, and we talked, I don't know if he wins a cup, maybe but like, man, like, is there something different he's doing as a workout regimen? Like, this guy, just it's like he's getting better as he ages.
1: So I think what it is is that uh, he has, over the course of his, I think, future Hall of Fame career, has really perfected what he needs to do. His routine, his preparation, the practice stuff that he does, and it's just an extremely well-regimented thing and so when he gets out there and does his thing he keeps himself really refined polished ready to go and then i think that what we all do in life is as you get older your brain doesn't diminish at mm-hmm. least at least in the in that realm of your life and so you feel like you have more experience and more to draw on it's just a question of whether the body will hold up and because joe's game has always been based on intelligence Hockey sense and positioning, and not just uh, blazing speed, then that part doesn't really go away. But because he's as smart as ever, he, it is ima- incredible to see. Now, I don't think we're going to see him take some massive leap forward, mm-hmm. and that's not a problem. No. Because what he is is fantastic. But. He uh, he just continues to just blow people away with how consistent he is even at his for hot. High- oh.
0: Nope. Still there? I'm still here. Okay, there we go. You just uh, you cut out just, with your just, thought.
1: Just driving into morning skates, so ah. there's probably a pocket or something here you go. There. Dead
0: zone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, there you go. Exactly. Didn't catch the end there uh, of, of what you said on Pavelski.
1: Oh yeah, I was just saying that that because of what I said earlier about mm-hmm. Pavelski, I just think that he uh, he's at a point where you know what you're getting from him, but it's really fun to see a guy who, who we consider to be really in an advanced age, but I qualify that as for a hockey player early starting his mm-hmm. life in that regard. But
0: uh, it, it's really fun to see. Yeah, no, it, it's great great to see eight goals, 10 assists on the year. He's got 46 shots on net as well. Uh, Matt Duchesne, uh, we talked about as well. Uh, this guy, he, he's six goals, nine assists. Uh, he's two years removed from a 42-goal year uh, with Nashville. How much do you think that buyout from the Preds is is adding to some motivation with Matt Duchesne? Like, hey, man, I can still do this. I can still be making some money in this league.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's part of it because clearly if he has a great year and he continues what he's doing right now, he's going to be set up for a really big deal in free agency. Oh, yeah. But I also think that Matt Duchesne is dealing with a bit of what Ryan Suter is going through and Joe Pavelski is he wants to win. And I think he feels uh, – and part of why he he went to Dallas, and a big reason was he wants to – he thinks that Dallas is a place where he might be able to win at. and he's come in and said very quickly to his line mates in Tyler Sagan and Mason Marshman, we can be really good. We can be one of the best lines in hockey, but we have to set our standard very high. And so he's, he's really, in talking to Matt, he's driving the expectation of his own line saying, we know we're good, but we can be this good, but this is what we have to set as our baseline. And that's really interesting to watch.
0: Uh, Jason Robertson, I, I want, I don't want to say he's snake bit because, you know, he's still got eight, uh, like 16 points on the year. Uh, he's playing some top line obviously, but you know, the five goals, he's shooting under 10% with the shooting percentage. Is it, is it feel like he's a little bit snake bit when it comes to the goal scoring at least?
1: I think the shooting percentage is a real factor. I think yeah. just in the sense that, uh, some of those have gone in before. Now, look, you can't score triple digit points without getting a lot of attention. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and it, although he had it last year, he really has it now. But he's he's just – some of those shots aren't going in that he might have otherwise had before. So that's a thing. But I don't think that it's as bad as we all make it out to be because, you know, take a look at Jason Robertson's numbers. He's, he's a point-of-game guy. The problem is expectations. We are just talking about expectations with Matt Duchesne and what he wants to see as a standard. When you put up 100 points in a season – then you're expected to do it again, mm-hmm. and Jason Robertson's only on an 82 point pace, and that's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And Wow. And we kind of laugh about that, but but yeah, there there is something there. I, I think that the the Stars recognize that they actually split up the Avengers line by moving Jamie Ben up with Hinson Pavelski yeah. and putting Jason Robertson down on the third line with Wyatt Johnston and Evgeny Dadonov, and they they did that for the last two games, but then against Vegas when it was really tight all of a sudden uh, I think Jamie Ben had a penalty kill shift and was kind of fatigued you know it was just the timing Mm -hmm. of it so they bumped Robertson back up with his normal line mates then they had a little bit of juice and said okay well I guess we're going to keep rolling with that and there we are they're back in doing exactly what we expect them to do so I would think over the long run, it's worked so well that we're probably going to see them continue. But, you know, one of the things, Patrick, that really stood out to me the other night was we got a note from the NHL that Jason Robertson was close to becoming just the fifth U.S.-born player to score his first 250 career NHL points in 228 games or less. Wow. Um, A really big group of players, and he did that. He got an assist on uh, the tying goal. Uh, for Ropa Hintz, great pass by Pavelski. Robo was the one that initiated the play. And that made that force. They went 1-1. They went into overtime and then lost to Vegas in, in a yeah. really goofy goal by Jack Eichel, who had great composure to keep the <laughs> puck after he whiffed on it. Yeah. But um, somebody asked me after I posted that online on Twitter, where's Austin Matthews in this? And I go, well, geez, Austin Matthews has been an absolute awesome top elite, elite scorer since he's joined the league. So I looked him up. And so Jason Robertson, two hundred and fifty points in two hundred and twenty-eight games. I was stunned to see that Austin Matthews didn't hit his two hundred and fiftieth point until his two hundred and fifty second game. Wow. Now that's not bad, right? No. That's a point a game for to start your career first. It was in his fourth season that he hit it. Yeah. And I'm going, Jason hmm. Robertson beat him by almost twenty five games. So Yes, he is going through a little bit of that this year, and, and it's not his sophomore season. But I almost feel like there's a little bit of that because it's the year after that hundred point, mm-hmm. hundred nine that he put up, and so he's readjusting to the league a little bit. And I think you you mentioned snake and I think a little bit of that is true too.
0: Uh, we're talking with Owen Newkirk, uh, Stars Radio host over on the ticket. Uh... Obviously, uh, we had some news earlier this week that the NHL is going to, uh, or NHL and the NHLPA are going to attempt a Four Nations Cup, like a precursor to the World Cup, uh, in February of 2025, featuring the U.S., Canada, Finland, and Sweden. Uh, I know my, me and my, uh, the guy I work with, Matty Rose, we. Uh, we we talk about what could be the best on best rosters we love talking about it and like i think we're we're both in agreement that what the us is about to turn out is is something pretty amazing have you thought about how many dallas stars are, are a part of this american hockey you know uh, upheaval
1: we've been talking about that the last couple of years in fact because of jake ottinger yeah. being a part of what is a burgeoning stable of goalies in, in the U S ranks <laughs> now, you know, it, we're, we're actually stunned that we had this conversation on our post game show just on Wednesday night. And it's ridiculous to think that I don't think Connor Hellbuck makes the team. If they had it right now. And a year ago, Connor Hellbuck's probably your starter. So, so who do you got? You, you got Ottinger
0: Gibson and Dunn
1: in Vancouver. Oh, Danco. Yeah. Yep. Like to me, I mean, Demko's been so good. He probably is your starter with uh, Ottinger, Gibson, and Jeremy Swayman yeah. fighting out over who gets to be his backup. And that's no slight against any of those guys because they've all been fantastic. Uh, it truly is uh, a realm where, you know, we went back to the days where the U.S. had some glory back in the 90s and Mike Richter yep. was your guy.
0: Van Beesbrook, Right, maybe John
1: Van Biesbrook, right, but it was mostly Richter yep. and that was it. <laughs> And then you just look at the defense and you look at the forwards and it's the absolute, look, there've been some unbelievable American players throughout NHL history. And, you know, it'd be really rude to just say, you know, for the Mike Madonnas of the world, Brett Hulls, sorry, guys, these guys are better. But what I do think is I think the depth behind the top stars of the U.S. ranks is way bigger than it's ever been. Oh yeah, and that's the difference. Look, look, Canada's always had the, well, you know, guys, this is our A team. We also could feel the B and the yep. C team, and we might, might sweep the medal route. Well, the U.S. is at least making their A team look like it's real competitive. man,
0: I don't want to look at the Canadian goaltending right now because you look at the glory days, <laughs> early 2000s, what Canada could trot out, LaWongo, Brodeur. Oh, my God, can just keep going on like with, with the names. Like, oh, God, drawing blanks. I, I hear I, I was setting myself up, but obviously the two thousands Canadian goaltender. Even more
1: recently with Carey Price. Oh yeah, right? Carey
0: Price too. Exactly, and it's just like, well, who is who's going to be starting? is is Aiden Hill the starting goalie for Canada? It's kind of funny
1: to think where he's come in the exactly. last couple months, and yeah. I mean that's
0: no slight on Aiden Hill, but it's like wow, you you're, you you no. won a cup, and now you could be potentially starting for Canada in a best on best tournament. <laughs> um, what do you make of the seventy seven percent benchmark for teams making the playoffs if they're in a playoff spot at U.S. Thanksgiving? Of late, outside of last year, it's been maybe a bit of a misnomer.
1: Um, I mean, again, but it's a percentage, right? Yeah, I, I think for the longest time. If you're talking about close to 80%, which is what the number we've used for a while, and it's really held up, mm-hmm. that means making the playoffs. The question is, what are those teams that are the outliers? Because that means that 20% or 23% are not going to make the playoffs. So, And that's held true too, right? Pete DeBoer pushed back against it the other day when he was asked about it and said that he has been on the other end of that where they were – he was coaching in the all-star game and then suddenly his team missed the playoffs. Now he was ravaged by injury and he got fired after that. Mm -hmm. So he goes, I don't really a big proponent of that anymore. St. Louis was awful. And then they turned it around and won the cup. Of course, those things can happen. But I think generally you can tell early on, which teams look like playoff teams that going back to your first question, Patrick, to me, the big thing this year is Dallas looks like a playoff team. No doubt. Right. As long as, the team stays healthy. I don't think making the playoffs is really uh, that big of a concern. What I think is that this is the first time in a really long time that Dallas looks like a Stanley cup contender, Mm -hmm. right? They had a good run last year. They had a surprise run in the bubble, but this is a team for the first time, maybe since the 2016 run where they looked really good and then just didn't get past St. Louis in the second round that you go, this team could win a cup. Now. So too does teams like Vegas, Uh, I I think the LA Kings in the West looked really, really sharp so far. Vancouver's had a great start. You look at Boston, you look at the Rangers. Um, I still think the Hurricanes have something to figure out, but there's good teams that you go, those guys look like cup contenders. So for me, I I do hold true to that. I think generally teams in Thanksgiving, uh, our, our playoff teams stay that way. It just, it's the old, you can't make the playoffs in the first two months of the season, but boy, you really put yourself in a bind if you are back chasing the pack.
0: Uh, We like to poke fun at at what's happening up the road in Edmonton, but uh, that's one of the teams (laughs) that obviously was in the playoffs last year. That is uh, 10 points out of a playoff spot on Friday morning, November 24th. Uh, Is this a team, do you anticipate making the playoffs, or is it just they've, buried themselves too far gone now. And the goaltending and defense is just not good enough.
1: Well, it's funny because we also are enjoying that. I don't know if that's (laughs) just because you, you know, it's like cheering against the Maple Leafs you see all the, the attention and exposure. And then when chaos happens, the outside goes, yeah, that's kind of fun. But um, yeah, look, there's such a, there's, they have such talent, especially up front with, you know, those two massive superstars Mm -hmm. and, there's some other really good scores around McDavid and Drake. Nice. you just I just don't think you can count them out because uh as good as the top echelon of the West is, there's also some plenty of room for the bottom part of the playoff standings. I I, I don't think you know, I mean, God, it wasn't that long ago. We were hearing a lot of uh, you know, trouble in Calgary yep. and then the Flames, as you well know put some points together and you're going okay well maybe it stabilized a little bit so uh I, I think that if they have another month or so like they've been that could be real trouble but i just i'm not ready to completely vote them off yet
0: and uh last one before i, I let you go uh mike madano getting a statue outside the Air, american airlines center right beside dirk nowitzki obviously a, a dallas maverick legend and a dallas sporting legend uh, pretty cool scene eh
1: It's so cool. Uh, It's exactly what's needed because Madonna's impact with the Dallas Stars moving from Minnesota Mm -hmm. in the 90s really became he became the talisman for this team. And uh, I've heard so many people say that without Madonna and what he did as both uh, you know, a top end player and a poster child for this organization that this team might not be here. Right. It might not have survived in Dallas, not because of just fan support, but because he was the driver of success and they became a huge hit. And they, you know, they did that in the middle of the Cowboys glory days of winning three Super Bowls. So to, to be able to be that capture the city that much in the midst of an incredible run for their big, most popular sport down here really is something. And he's a hall of famer. He's the highest scoring U S player ever. and, And just, it's exactly what, is fitting for him. I know he works for the Minnesota Wild now, which is kind of funny because they're the, a, a bitter rival in yeah. that regard. But uh, I do think that it's what he deserves. And it's really going to be cool because down here in Victory Plaza, right outside the American Airlines Center, it's a little uh, asymmetrical with Dirk's statue because there's this one statue on one side of the entrance to the plaza and they need that. It'll really balance it out. Nicely. Yeah. Now I was hoping that it was going to be the a statue of him, the sort of iconic picture of Madonna hoisting the cup. It would be a really cool look. But I heard him say on our station when he was talking to one of our afternoon guys just a couple of days ago mm-hmm. that it's not going to be that. Oh. So he's had, he's had a lot of input in it. I, he said he's excited about how it's going to look, but we don't know yet what it's going to be. But I don't know if you heard this. It was kind of funny. They asked him on the Hardline, which is our afternoon drive show on the ticket, If it was going to be understandably a little shorter, because Dirk's a seven foot tall basketball (laughs) player, and then he said, "Well, I might get a you know three inches or so height in my skates, but there's no reason I can't be the same height as Dirk."
0: Exactly. If he had the cup, if he was the cup statue, he'd be the same size as Dirk. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, uh, Owen, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your morning. Uh, Enjoy the the morning skate and uh, have a fun time tonight at the game. We'll uh, we'll be listening and we'll be watching.
1: Thank you, Patrick. Here we go. We got you guys again next yes, week. Yes, It'll be three in a month and then never, <laughs> never again.
0: again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Right, see you, buddy.